and we are live with the All Gas Snow Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, certainly has been a wild week in the world of sports as, you know, tonight we have Game 3 of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals going on. Game 3 of the NBA Finals went on just last night. But we've also had some really big major breaking news around the pretty much the entirety world of sports. And today we're going to break all those, uh, you know, all those breaking news down. Yeah, we're trying something different here. We've had a lot of shows uh, going on about college football, the NFL. We've dabbled a little bit with the NBA, the uh, NHL. And we're trying something different. We're trying something during the offseason for a lot of your sports is what we're approaching right now. Yep. Um, fun fact, the only two days that no prof- no professional sports have played uh, occur the day before and day after the MLB All-Star Game. So there is going to be a lull in news the next couple months of regarding sports so this is something new we're trying out right. and like nick said we're going to talk about every sport uh just general news going on because uh while we could hyper focus on the nba playoffs going on right now or nlb baseball this is a uh something for the listeners want something that you guys want and you guys have suggested so this is what we're trying out with yeah i mean we're going to definitely talk about the mlb season as a whole once we get towards the all-star break and re- kind of recap what's gone on. One, excuse me, what's gone down in the first half of the MLB season, and look at it as a whole going into the second half of the year. Obviously, we're looking at the NFL offseason as well, and we've looked at the NBA Finals, and we've covered that extensively. We'll cover Game Four as well as we make our picks for that game. But we have to get into some of the breaking news that happened overall in the last couple of weeks. One of them just happened just as of yesterday, and that is a big one in the NBA. Chris Paul apparently will be waived by the Phoenix Suns, so it looks like Chris Paul is on the move. Curious to see, though, Johnson, what team he will be going to in this offseason. I kind of have a hunch of where he might be going. So I have, I don't know where he's going to go, but I feel like the perfect team that he belongs with is, so two destinations I can think of, and they're everyone's, every analyst's favorite team of all time. Either the Boston Celtics or the Los Angeles Lakers. Correct. But I have a feeling that David Stern will stop that, stop him from going to the Lakers and beyond the grave. So uh, <laughs> watch just out. Like, just like he did the first time. Uh, just like the first time. But to me, those are the two teams I think he fits in the best with. Going to the Boston Celtics, their guard play was horrendous during the playoffs. Correct. Completely outmatch and expose. You know that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are legit. That guard play got exposed no matter how good they were during the regular season they got exposed so i think chris paul to boston makes sense um be backup guard maybe 25 minutes uh as a starter well, if they if they're able to work a trade with boston there could be a potential marcus smart for paul deal i don't know if that's really I mean, he se. already got waived though yeah but they're still working out a trade there i mean you could still you could still work out trades and stuff like that when you get waived and stuff like that it happens the same thing in the mlb yeah, I, I mean it's it's such a weird like. Does Phoenix even it, want my Marcus Smart also, though? Yeah, well, I I agree. I don't know if Marcus Smart is the guy you really want to get for. I know Chris Paul is up there in age. He's starting to get towards you know the end of it, but I don't know if Marcus Smart's really that guy to get for Chris Paul. I don't um, know what Chris Paul's value is to be honest with that's you. That's the problem. I don't know what the I don't value think I'd give him you. I don't even think I'd give you a first round pick for him. Right. I don't think I would either. My question is. Can do they have to wait till the end of the playoffs to finally you know figure out the trade right to like do any type of move when it comes to Chris Paul? 
I think they have to wait till the end of the playoffs, uh, and there's like a moratorium period in the middle of the play, like right. after the finals and in between the lottery, that trades start opening up again. So I believe I th- that's the period they have to wait for. So I think what happened was is that they told Paul that, listen, we're going to probably waive you unless we can find a trade partner for you in the time period of now until the end of the playoffs going into that moratorium. So as of now, Paul is still going to be a son, but he is going to be waived or traded either way by the Phoenix Suns. So his time, his time in Phoenix is done. There's rumors that DeAndre Aiden also might be getting traded. We've heard those rumors for a while now, for the past couple of seasons. I'm curious to see if that actually goes into fruition this time. I don't think it will, because Frank Vogel, which we'll talk about in a little bit, did say some nice things about DeAndre Aiden. So we'll have to see. But it's a big move. Chris Paul, once again, is on the market. I think the Lakers would make a lot of sense for him after what happened with D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs. They could really use another guard. I think he'd be a perfect fit for them and, you know, pair him and LeBron up. The problem with Chris Paul is he's never healthy enough to stay a full season. He's he's been CP three to six weeks for the last five years. Especially in this playoff, too. Yeah, this that's what happened. It's availability. I say this all the time. And no matter what you do in life, availability is the number one uh, key to anything. You right. could be, for example, the greatest doctor, nurse, police officer, uh, firefighter, sanitation worker, school teacher ever. But if you say, hey, um, I need vacation, you know, two or three months out of a year, every single year, then what use of you? What use are you to that organization? So if Chris Paul's going to be constantly going to be a, hey, like, listen, you know, crunch time, I got to be on, uh, you know, on the IR, uh, you know, bad hamstring, uh, you know, twisting my ankle, whatever it is. Then what use is he actually? Because when it comes time, when it comes time to uh, to actually make a finals run, make a playoff run, he's not there. And that's that's the problem with Chris Paul. Right. So unless an organization just wants to keep him practicing for the first seven months of the season, and then you know, kind of break the glass with him the last two months. And then he finally, you know, plays in the playoffs, maybe gets a full, you know, playoff run. And you're assuming that he's going to, he's going to gel automatically, but it's kind of like a pipe dream at this point with him. That's the problem. I think when the NBA season as a whole ends and we get into our free agency, we'll do the same thing with how we did for the NFL. We'll make a prediction show of where they will go and stuff like that. We'll kind of break down where Chris Paul at the end of the day does sign. But I think you're right. I think Boston and L.A. make a ton of sense. But there could be some other players in free agency that we don't know of at the current moment that might want to try to get Chris Paul for one last run of hope and maybe get him that elusive championship that has eluded him his entire career. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and uh, sticking with the NBA, let's talk about Kyrie Irving, everyone's yeah. favorite uh, diva. I-, I said earlier this year, or um, early, I guess earlier last year, that the NBA is my favorite sport. Because it's like WWE. It's just a drama-filled league. And with Kyrie, he's like the uh, the catalyst of all this drama. And his latest drama is he's trying to recruit LeBron to come join him in Dallas. He is definitely trying to do that. It's can um... you And you know what's even sad about this, Nick? Yeah. Go ahead. What's even crazier is Draymond Green is probably going to get bought out by the Golden State Warriors. He's probably going to get yeah. waived. Can you imagine if he recruits both LeBron and Draymond Green to come play in Dallas with Luka? I mean, you would have a great starting four out of five with if you had that. I mean, listen, Draymond 
is still good enough defensively and can still get you some assists when it comes to playmaking. Oh, absolutely! You just can't have him be the focal. Three. You can't have him be the focal point of the team. It obviously right. falls apart. And, we but, saw that about four or five years ago when he was still towards the end of his prime. But I mean, that would be unbelievable if Dallas were able to somehow pull that off. Now, the issue for Dallas is, and I think that's going to be the issue overall, is do they have the assets to get LeBron? And I just don't think they do at the end of the day. I'm they, not entirely sure because what is LeBron worth at this point? He's going to miss. You're still going to get first round picks out of him. Uh, here's the thing. Okay. You're the Lakers, right? Yeah. He has to get surgery on that foot, right? Correct. We don't know how long it's going to take. They're saying it's going to be a couple months, right? Right. So maybe he's back in training camps in September, assuming he gets it very soon. He hasn't gotten it yet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but assume he he's back in training camps in September, right? LeBron has been meticulous about caring for his body and doing these offseason workouts. If he, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm doubting that he's not doing those workouts right now. So he he probably hasn't touched the basketball in the last couple of weeks, right? Moreover, he's still contemplating retirement too. So yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put that like a ten percent. I, I I probably put it less than ten percent, but I, that's 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 just another thing I, yeah. I thought I should mention. Yeah, but go so, ahead. So maybe he gets the surgery done, you know, towards the end of this month, beginning of July. He gets, you know, he's cleared within two months, the best case scenario. He starts practicing, whatever. He's cleared for basketball activities, like as in, like, you know, five on five. He can take the court again sometime in October, right? Yep. You've now, he spent none of his time getting back into basketball shape because even though he's LeBron, he keeps, you know, you know he's the best uh, in shape athlete of our generation meticulous you know always with the workouts it's still could take him a month or two to get back in the basketball shape so to me the lakers are going to be fighting in november and december of lebron just getting his conditioning back getting a feel for the game it happens with all the great players it happens it happened with michael it happened with kobe it happened with uh with kareem and magic it happens to all these guys once they get up there in age they have an injury or a setback they leave etc etc uh so to me, if the Lakers are going to be struggling in December, they have to really look at themselves in the mirror and their future. Listen, LeBron has that player option anyway at the end of 2025. Uh, what is really realistically six months worth of LeBron worth? And that's not even a guarantee that you get six months out of him because that's including the postseason too. And, you know, if he gets hurt again, you never know. Exactly. Also... So yeah. to me, is LeBron worth multiple first round picks at this point? Probably not. He maybe has a You season. probably will get first. I think you'll still get multiple firsts out of him. I don't know. The thing like, is for he, Dallas. He's not, getting, he's not getting four or five picks. Is one no, I'm pick. thinking like. He maybe get one in a swap. I was thinking like two to three. I think you could still get three first round picks out of him. He's still averaging <sighs> a good amount of points. I, I know. It's just so t- At this point, he's pushing 40. He's I, coming off a pretty bad injury. I agree, but you got to think of it from Dallas's point. You get LeBron, you add him with Kyrie and Luka. And from the oh, it's Lakers nuts. standpoint, it's absolutely nuts. And then you assume you get Dallas, Here's the NBA championship. Go ahead and take it, but we want future draft picks from you to accommodate you and try to get that championship. You have to. You have to try to get multiple picks. I mean, it's it's such a tough. It would situation. cost you multiple picks. I think it would probably cost them Jaden Hardy too. I think he has to be involved in trade conversations if you were trying to do that as well. Um, Josh Green, sure. I, I, I don't. I, that's the thing. After those two guys, then you have to look at guys that can match salary. Guys like Tim Hardaway, um, 
trying to think of other players on the team. Davis, uh, Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans, sorry. Um, yeah, the guys would just match the salary cap as well as getting those young players and potential draft picks. So I don't know what a trade would look like for LeBron if it were to happen. At the end of the day, I don't really see it happening. I think I, I think he'll be going back to L.A. for this upcoming season. But you could be right. They could be re-talking about this as the season goes on. If the Lakers are in a bad spot, they might have to consider something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be kind of crazy to think about. But uh, listen, if the Lakers are, you know, six, seven games under five hundred towards the end of December, LeBron has his player option. He's probably going to leave anyway. Yeah. Pull the trigger. Well, we talk about the Lakers. Let's talk about a former Lakers head coach that's now on the move. It is now the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Frank Vogel is now the new head coach of Phoenix. He takes over from Monty Williams there in Phoenix. And he has an interesting offseason coming up. Obviously now has Kevin Durant on the team as well as Devin Booker. Could keep DeAndre Aiden. We'll have to see if they do trade him or not. They're going to be waving Chris Paul or trading him at some point during this offseason. Overall, what is your initial reaction to this hiring by Phoenix? So Frank Vogel is not an excellent head coach. He's an all right coach. He's also not the worst head coach in the league. Right. If there are 30 NBA coaches, I'd put him at 15. I think that's I think that's all right, yeah. And the reason why I'm saying this is because he isn't he's going to take input from his players, right? He is a players coach. Right. He has Kevin Durant, he has Devin Booker, two all-NBA type players, established uh, all-stars, superstars, if you want to call them, on his roster. Then he has DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams did not get along. No. So he can start mending the fence with DeAndre Ayton. Maybe he brings out the best in him. You would hope. Yeah, yeah, you hope. Uh, He inspires Aytons. He has different sets. He has different schemes to make him prosper in his system. Then he gets rid of Chris Paul. Hey, listen, we need someone reliable at point guard. Um, I don't know who they bring in. Um, tough with their cap space issue. It's That's... tough. You probably gonna look at someone on the MLE or the yeah. buyout market. That's who you're gonna really look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume that if they keep all this together, they're gonna be buyers at the deadline next year too. At the trade deadline, they're not gonna really. Uh, unless something catastrophic happens during the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be buyers at the deadline. And that's where they could get their starting caliber point guard, quote-unquote, if they can't get in the offseason. But Frank Vogel is an okay hire. I like it because he can not be a soothsayer of egos, but uh, he listen, he's performed well with talent. Um, when everyone's healthy and when everyone's clicking, he performed well with talent. So you saw it uh, at you know, a couple of his stops already. You saw him with the Lakers in uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, won the championship in the bubble. Yeah, it's, so. it's not a real championship, but so. um, he did win it. You know, he yeah, did win he the Mickey Mouse Invitational. He had some good years with Indiana too. He was, he was. Yeah, no, know. he's a solid coach. Yeah. He's uh, you, you could definitely do a lot worse in this market, um, which I want to get to. I know you want to talk about the next one. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I'll segue into this. Yeah. That the Detroit Pistons uh were robbed. They got stuck up. Uh, it was the heist of the century of a coach. When I saw this contract. When Monty Williams was named the new head coach of the Detroit Pistons, I thought he was going to play 25 to 30 minutes off the bench and give you 15, <laughs> 16 points a game. I swear to God. I that's what the money he's getting it. paid. You said it. You're, you're not wrong. He, he, got, he got a lot. He's getting almost, he what, a lot. 15 to $20 million per year? I think, the official, I think the official deal was, what, six years, 100 mil? 
Yeah, like it's crazy. He's getting all he's getting a, a, almost eighteen million dollars a year to be a head coach. Now, here's my assessment of Monty Williams, and you know for me, I'm not the biggest fan of Monty as a head coach overall. Monty is a very good head coach when it comes to developing that talent. But when it comes to having the established talent, I think that's where he kind of falters. You saw it in Phoenix. It didn't work out. But look at what he did in New Orleans with that talent. They almost got into the playoffs as a bubble team during that play-in, and he had them playing really good basketball overall. Same thing with the Thunder. He knows how to develop the young talent and make them good. It's just when they become that established talent and become good, that's where I think it overall does not work for him. And I think it kind of fits for Detroit because you look at the Pistons right now. Had the worst record in the NBA last season. Did not have Cade Cunningham. But you have another top five pick. You have Cade coming back from injury. And you got a young roster on your hands. So Monty could help that team get to where they need to be in a couple years. So I don't mind the hire. I'm just worried about once they start developing in the way that they would hope that they would develop, will they exceed expectations or will it all be like Phoenix all over again where they just miss out on these chances to win a championship or even get far in the playoffs? See, this is where my problem with Monty, not really with Monty, but with the signing. Like you said, he's great with the young talent. The problem is, do you think the Detroit Pistons are six years away? I don't know. But then again, I, you got, I, I, you, I will bet money right now that the Detroit Pistons are not six years away. They're probably two years away. And the deal I would have given him would have been probably four years with significant reduction in salary. So that's really my beef with this deal is because we everyone knows Monty Williams is not good with established talent. Right. It, it's been tried, you know, multiple times throughout his career. He's had some of the greatest players of all time. And he just can't win with them. So, if people really think that Detroit's talent is six years away, they're going to blow it up way, way before that happens. So, to me, this isn't really a... Uh, this ends in Detroit basketball, I'm sorry, but this is going to be a very pain and sadful ending no matter what. This is not a happy ending of this story. So, either the team gets blown up within six years or Monty Williams is gone way before six years. That's my I- take. I think they have to figure out how to surround talent because you you can see if Cade is healthy, he could be something very special for that team. So I think it's overall deciding on what talent you could surround around that guy. And if they got, if you already have the players on your current roster, then it's just about making them get to that extra step to make them extra special. So I think at the end of the day, it's not a horrible hire for Detroit. I think the only way it goes really bad is if they're not able to bring in any talent to surround guys like Kate Cunningham and the rest of the younger talent, or if they're not able to establish and develop their talent that they already have, guys like James Wiseman, who they brought in from Golden State, just guys like that try to elevate them to the next level that they could potentially be. So we'll have to see how it overall affects Detroit in the next coming of years. But let's now switch over, Johnson, to... The NFL, because we've had some major breaking news surrounding that. One of the big breaking news is about DeAndre Hopkins, who was just released a couple weeks ago by the Arizona Cardinals. Now finally starting to visit teams this week, visiting his first team being the Tennessee Titans. So 
Not a team I thought that he would be visiting at the end of the day. Kind of expecting maybe a team that's saying a little bit closer to a championship. No offense to any Titan fans to listen to the show. Full offense. But, did you say full offense? Full offense. <laughs> okay. Um, but, DeAndre Hopkins is looking to find that new home. There's been a lot of rumors about where he could potentially go. Um, a lot of teams could really use him, especially trying to win a championship. But it seemed as if first Hopkins was looking to go to that Super Bowl contender. Now it just seems like he wants to play for a team that overall wants him at the end of the day. Uh, to me, DeAndre Hopkins, this is a move of an all-time back chaser. He doesn't care about championships if he's visiting t- Tennessee. Let's let's be real here for a second. The only way the Titans win the championship if uh, all 31 other teams are deemed ineligible <laughs> to compete. And then you they have they're the, to crown you think they're the worst team in football. Uh, no, I don't think they're the worst team in football, but probably bottom five. I would agree that bottom five right now, based on what's happened in the offseason, I can't say they're the worst team. I can tell you exactly. To the me, worst it's, team the, is. it's it's the quarterback play. That's who's, true. Who is the quarterback? You don't even have a leader of your team. It's just, it's. Uh, yeah. It's, I, so, so to me, DeAndre Hopkins, if he wants to chase a bag, God bless him. I love that energy. Uh, I always said if I was a professional athlete, I would take the biggest contract possible and then just stink it up on the field, not even care afterwards. Now, do you want to make a prediction on where you think he will go? Uh, we did our prediction show a, a while ago. We kind of predicted where he could go. DeAndre Hopkins, you are a New England Patriot. Now, in all seriousness, he's probably going to end up being a chief or a bill, something stupid like that. See, now, my issue with New England is that do you think he would really want to go back to Bill O'Brien? Uh, Bill, Bill after O'Brien? What uh, it's see. That's it's why so, I don't see it happening. See, I know, but like I know you're working in his offense, but at the end of the day, it's Bill Belichick. I That's, agree. He has the final saver. So if he has a conversation with Bill, say, like, "Hey, listen, if Bill O'Brien gets out of hand, you have to have my back." And if Bill Belichick says, "Yes, I will make sure he's not moronic towards you," then now, I could see it happening. But other than that, it's kind of a pipe dream. Now, I think for Buffalo, I thought I saw the rumor that they might not be looking into him anymore after they originally tried to get him. So, I don't know if they necessarily make a move. They could be making a move for a different player, which we'll get into a little bit. I think for me, I think the team to look out for is maybe the Cleveland Browns due to the connection that he had with Deshaun Watson in Houston overall as a playing. I mean, they had really good seasons together uh, stat-wise, so... That could be a team I could look forward to. I wouldn't be surprised if he signed with the Chiefs if he wants to win that championship. That would really be a big get for Kansas City to add DeAndre Hopkins to that offense. So it'll be an interesting couple of weeks to see where D Hop does go. But oh, that offense would be crazy. I know that offense would be unbelievable. I mean, they're already unbelievable as it is, and that's after losing a bunch of players, and they still get better and better every season. So if they added D Hop, man, that'd be un- insane. But I kind of alluded to it a little bit, and now we get into the next part of our NFL discussion. That's about Dalvin Cook. As of today, he is being released by the Minnesota Vikings. This comes after a couple of months of him, you know, being in trade conversations. Vikings, at the end of the day, kind of pulling an Arizona Cardinals. They just weren't not able to get a trade offer that they thought would be great for them. So they they cut him now. He is now a free agent and is able to choose the team of his choice. A lot of people believe Miami is going to be the team that signs him, but there could be other suitors for him. So it will be interesting to see where he goes because he's still not, he's still relatively young, John. He's only 27 years old. Oh, absolutely. He's still in the prime of his career. He's probably got a couple 
um, two or three, maybe two or three, two or three seasons years, left. Yeah, yeah, of him at this high level production. Once you reach that thirty year, that's when it kind of starts. Yeah, I mean, even though Derrick Henry shows no signs of stopping, yeah, Derrick Henry, he's he's on a whole different. He's uh, not. He's not human. Level. Oh, absolutely. But no, I can't believe they couldn't get anything for him, which is mind-boggling. It's just uh, teams don't want to pay running backs. It's kind of sad. It's, it's a, really sad. The market sad. right now is really weird because you guys, you have guys like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, to note they're on the franchise tag. They haven't been paid a contract. Austin Eckler just had to get a contract recently just to even get back with the team. That was after months of him you know, arguing with the franchise, even asking for a trade at one point as well. Running back market is just not the same as it used to be. A lot of teams believe quarterbacks take all the money. Yeah, exactly. Quarterbacks take most of the money. Defensive linemen take it as well. And for these running backs, it's really listen. You're doing great for us, but we could probably find someone like you in the next year or two in the draft, probably. So at the end of the day, that's how it is. The Vikings felt the same way. They got Alexander Madison, who is a very qual- you know quality running back for who was the backup for that team for a couple of seasons behind Dalvin Cook. Now he gets the full reign at running back for Minnesota this season. And for Dalvin Cook, do you, is there a team that you have in mind that you think he signs with at the end of the day? Uh, teams that need running backs. Uh, I really wouldn't know. where Miami, Buffalo, the Jets are a rumor because, you know, the Brees Hall injury right now, we, we don't know what his status is. So he's going to go somewhere that could offer him money and stability. Right. So right off, uh, New York Jets are off off the table. They don't. <laughs> they get offered money, but no stability. I, I knew you'd throw a shot at the Jets. Uh, Miami off. Cowboys off could of, be a team. Dallas is interesting because the expectations for him in Dallas would be insane, but the expectations everywhere else would be like, all right, if you drag him to nine wins and get twelve hundred yards, you're you know. I would hate it, but Philadelphia is another another option. I know they just traded for DeAndre Swift, but I mean. I don't think so. I don't think that Dallas is interesting. I'd say either Dallas or Buffalo. Those are my two picks. I, I think I think mine is going to lean towards Miami. I just think it makes so much sense. Miami needs a running back desperately in that backfield. And the fact that you now don't have to trade assets to get him, you could sign him on a relatively friendly deal, bring him to the team, and then think about what the Dolphins look like next season offensively. I mean, they're, they would have an unbelievable top five offense in the NFL potentially if they're able to bring in Dalvin Cook. Yeah, no, it would be certainly a whole new dimension to that offense. But again, the stability I'm talking about is Tua's health. That, that's, that's the true. main issue I'm seeing. So but, if he wants stability, it's probably Buffalo or Dallas. And even though Dak hasn't been the healthiest, but that uh, they're like a well-oiled machine down there. Think of it this way. A good way to keep your, your quarterback healthy is get, get himself a good running back that he doesn't have to throw the ball as often. So that could be a way to help him. It's such a it's a uh, it's a fickle situation, and uh, we'll know more in the in the coming weeks. But my right. my first thoughts would be uh, Buffalo or Dallas, and yours yours would be uh, Buffalo would be fun considering his brother is on the team already at running back. So that would be that would be a fun scenario too. I know not for you, but in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I I don't want to see him in Buffalo. Um, he, there's already James Cook in there. So yep. one is enough. Um, I think there's a limit on brothers on a team ever since the McCourty's <laughs> retired. So um, only one brother per team now. It's, uh, it's a league statute now. That's fair enough. Uh, we talk about Buffalo. Let's talk about the news about this week's Madden cover release. And that's the 
that Josh Allen, the star quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, is going to be featured on Madden 24 this season as the cover athlete. Could be, most likely will be bad news because we all know how the Madden curse is and how it works. Most of the time does not help you in your favor. So, congrats to Josh Allen, but for Buffalo fans, it could be a very shaky season. How this, ends for, works out. how this ends for Buffalo season is they're going to go, Josh Allen's going to win MVP. They're going to go undefeated up until the AFC championship game. It's going to be a home game. It's going to be a snowstorm. They're going to lose for nothing on a field goal. And remember, we didn't have a, we technically didn't have a quote unquote Madden cover last year because it was the John Madden cover. They were, as they were, you know, commemorating the former late head coach. So the curse did not fully take into effect last season. It's back this year. So, I'm curious to see what does happen if something were to happen. Oh, I just followed the script. You didn't want me to repeat it? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, right? Yeah, so, again. like I said, that's Buffalo yeah, is game. going to – is Buffalo – Josh Allen's going to MVP. Buffalo's going to go undefeated during the regular season. And during the AFC Championship game, they're going to lose straight nothing in the middle of a snowstorm. Well, I'm thinking about the, the recent Madden covers, and I'm thinking Madden 22 Brady. had Brady and Mahomes – and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Mahomes lost in the championship game and Brady lost on that last-second touchdown by the Rams. Yes. So it might not necessarily be injury per se. You're hoping not for an injury for Josh Allen, but it, could be, it could be a really devastating loss. And Buffalo's had a lot of those last couple of seasons. So I'm not sure well, I forgot how to f- mention yeah. the field goal happens in the last tick of overtime. For Buffalo to hit it or for – Oh no! For the opposing team, they won three nothing in the, oh. in, the in, in the last tick okay. of overtime. I was gonna say you're gonna pull another wide right or wide left for Buffalo. They can't do another one of those. I mean, it'd be funny for you. It would be it'd be really funny. Yeah, they actually also hits. They also missed seven field goals from chip shots uh, leading up to that. So Buffalo could have won like twenty one nothing, but you know. Well, we'll see how that goes. But now let's switch over to Major League Baseball. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We'll be going into a first-half recap, going into a second-half preview of the MLB season as a whole as we get a little bit closer towards the All-Star break. But there was some major breaking news this week in regards to MLB. One of those big breaking news was Jacob DeGrom, now officially out for the season as he is going to get Tommy John surgery. So a big blow to the Texas Rangers, who are playing some really good baseball right now, lead the AL West, one of the best records in all of baseball as a team. So a huge blow to their pitching staff. I know we've had a lot of this discussion for Jacob DeGrom in the last couple of years. You know he's a top five pitcher, one of the best, just can't stay healthy at the end of the day, and now another big blow to what has been a great career for him. So I can't even take a victory lap because I said this back in October that the Mets made the right move. You did. Maybe not October, but beginning of well, the, uh, the MLB season. Depending on how you ask Met fans in regards to how Verlander and Scherzer have been. Yeah, no, I, I said it would be, it, it was the right move for no matter what. He's too injury prone. He wanted too many years, too much money. And I can't even take this victory lap because he's on my fantasy team. So I'm out That's without true. a pitcher. For, yeah, last year and now this year, next year, like. I don't know. Like I drafted him like pretty high up there, so I can't even take a victory lap. So Jacob Degrom, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful career. Um, but you probably pitched your last game for me in my fantasy league, and maybe overall at this point. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll be overall. I think he'll come back. I don't back. know. It, that is so. Tough. He's gonna come back, but 
considering how old he is now, he's coming off a big time surgery. That might impact him to how his abilities will be. I don't think it's the last we've seen of Degrom. I just think we won't see the dominant Degrom we've seen in years previous. So that's the only thing that sucks about it for him. We'll have to see what happens with him in regards to that. Um, but like I said, it's a huge blow for the Rangers because they were they're playing some really good baseball right now. They really, the fact that they've done it without Degrom for most of this time has been really impressive. But if they could have had Degrom for a potential postseason run, that would make it even better for this team. So huge blow for them. We'll have to see what happens for them in the next couple of months. Um, another big news about a you know a pitcher that had a pretty good season last year that's not having one this year. Alec Manoa being sent down to the minor leagues after a horrific start to this season. Jonathan might be having one of the worst seasons in all of baseball in regards to pitching, considering how he did last season. I believe he was number two or number three in Cy Young voting. And to go uh, it's the pitch clock. This, I th- you're absolutely right. I was just going to bring that up. Pitch clock yeah. is really affecting him. It's only affecting the bigger pitchers. Yep. CC Sabathia would have been cooked today if he played. Probably. Crunchberry's man, gone. He he wouldn't stand a chance. And that's because of the pitch clock. This is why I hate shit like this. Yeah, I'm in favor of reducing the time uh of games, but there are other ways around this besides doing the pitch clock. Do you know what his stats are on the season, Manoa? I think he's like a seven ERA or something ridiculous like that. One in seven with a six point three six ERA before getting sent down. The number that stands out the most now, last year as a whole, he had, he had given up 51 walks on the season. Right now, Johnson, he has given up 42. That's insane. He he cannot throw strikes right now. That's been a huge problem for him. It's the conditioning. And, the pitch, and, the, and it's a mixture of the conditioning, the pitch clock. It's not helping him right now. And it costs him now because now he goes down to the minor leagues. And now he'll have to fix whatever mechanics he can fix. There's still a lot to be looked about for him. He's only 25 years of age, so there's oh, still time for back. him to fix it. Um, he'll bounce back. He'll drop 30 or 40 pounds during this season and the offseason. Next season, he'll be back. I, I have full faith he'll be back. It, but yeah. it's like with these bigger pitchers, you know, you're, you're 6'6", 250 pounds. Like, the pitch clock is really messing with your mechanics and your conditioning. You used to be able to take, you know, 30, 40 seconds in between a pitch. You can't do that anymore. So, to me, it's it's the integrity of the game that they're ruining, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens for Manoa. If I mean, MLB was serious about keeping the integrity of the game and shortening the time, they would switch to an advertising model similar to soccer. Well, we're going to talk about soccer in just a little bit. We have big breaking news in regards to that. But you're not you're not completely wrong. I mean, the pitch clock has had its doubters. It's had some people applaud it. I I just I still don't know how I feel about it personally. But... I mean, I like it cuts down the time of the game because I don't right. have I, I don't have the will to sit down and watch three and a half hours of baseball anymore. Right. The Marlins game the other day, I know it's a Miami Marlins, uh, six one game. Lot. There's been a lot of two, two hours hour games. And, two hours and three minutes. Yeah, nine inning game baseball game. So, I'm curious to see how Manoa rebounces back from this. I'd be curious to see if he comes back during this season because the way he's pitching I'm not sure if he pitches another another inning this season Honestly, but maybe just keep him down for the year it, it, it depends so to me I think he's it depends got how the Blue Jays are doing also to me 
he could stay at that weight, but if he can just improve his conditioning and his time between pitches. So to me, keep him down there until he gets his conditioning a little bit better. Maybe it takes a month or so. Keep him down there. Yeah. Let him get improve his conditioning, and then you could see him progress in FCL uh, with his mechanics, his time between pitches, if he's gassed or not, his accuracy. There's so many things you can track down there. And since he's playing against the biggest, you know, you want to say rookies in baseball, like this is the rookie league. Like this is the m- most minor of minor leagues. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how Manoa does. But from one demotion to now a promotion, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds calling up Phenom Ellie De La Cruz, the fourth-ranked prospect in all of baseball, 21-year-old, finally making his MLB debut. So far, Johnson, everything looks pretty good for Ellie. He's already 4 for 11 on the season and hit a big mammoth home run and yesterday's win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. He looks to be someone that could really revitalize the Cincinnati Reds, who have just had a lot, you know, the last couple of years, have just not been good in terms of winning games. He could be that spark that gets the Reds back into, you know, wanting to be a winning team. And I wouldn't, you know, Johnson, I'm going to make a bold statement. I would not be surprised if the Reds win the division this season, the way he sparks this lineup overall. Oh, definitely. So for those who are not familiar with the current, um, the outlook of the red season they were they're playing one of the worst divisions in baseball they play in the nl section it, yeah it's not the worst right now but it's oh it, it, it's among the worst really the only team of note right now is the milwaukee brewers in that division pittsburgh had a magic horseshoe attached to them for the first month of the season where they yeah, think they were really... like 15 games above 500 yep. now they're three games above 500 cincinnati 29 and 33 as of this recording but ellie de la cruz this is why people are so excited about him so the average age in AAA is about 27, mm. and he's 21. Yep. In AAA, batting almost 300 with an OPS over 1,000 with 12 home runs on the season in 38 games. He comes he, up he to pop. the major leagues and immediately crushes a ball straight out of the stadium, over, I think over 460 feet, right? It was 458 in, you know, what they sat it as, but it could have easily, it could have easily been like 480, the way he hit that ball. Yeah, the way he hit that ball was just money. Syndergaard gave him a really good present for that pitch. He hung that one. Yeah, no, and he, you know, he's good at base, too. He's good when he's at bat, too. As he gets a lot of hits. Too. Yeah, he hits, you know, you know you're right. You're right. He's, he can steal. Um when he was in double A, he I think he almost had fifty steals on the season. So he's yeah. fast, he's got power, he draws a good bit of walks too. When yeah. he was in his full season in double A, he had forty walks on the season at you know, four hundred and seventy one at bats, batting over three hundred. So this is a dude that gets on base whether he gets a single, a double, he crushes it, he can draw walks, he can steal the bag, he, he's fast, he's he's good on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball too. So this guy is pretty much the full package. And he's 21 years old. Yeah, he's a he's a very young player. Uh, I don't know how the MLB rules work with Rookie of the Year uh, for this year and next year, but uh, definitely candidate. Whatever he's eligible, even this year or next year, he's definitely on my short list. Yeah, I mean, you got. I, I look at it too. The first hit he had his major league major league career was a double. Went about 112 miles per hour. He has. Great pop in that bat. I mentioned he has stolen base today. He might be one of the fastest people already in the league. 
the I think he had on that double. I think he scored from second, or maybe it wasn't the double. Maybe he walked. That's what it was. He walked in that game, and from first to home, it was one of the fastest you know records of speed in terms of going from home to first, from first to home. He he has a, he's basically one of those five tool players you look for in a prospect, and this like I said. This is the player that the Reds have needed for a while. They haven't had that guy that could, you know, where you say, oh, I want to go to a Reds game and watch this guy. This is that guy to do it for. You know he makes a big impact, Johnson. When his MLB debut, they're batting him fourth in the lineup. They already know what he could be for this team. If they're able to build around this team, and they have a very young, fun team that could be exciting the next couple of seasons. Um... I think if they are able to maintain the course and stay within the division, they could make a potential postseason run. Maybe not far in the postseason, but they oh, could at least make the po- they can at least make the postseason considering how bad the Central is right now for the NL. So it's definitely a fun time if you're a Reds fan just because of what they have in this guy and what he could potentially be in the next couple months or the next couple years. I just need to get Amir Garrett back on the Reds, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll be tuning in the games again. Amir Garrett, please. Is he uh, still on the Royals? He is. He is. He's having a solid season. They could he's be selling in- at the deadline, so that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, he's been solid this year. He's uh, yeah. I think he's been like twenty three different games. He's got a three ERA. You know, obviously he's like a middle reliever, but he's not a closer. But yeah, he's been solid this year for him. Yeah, so I'd be curious to see if the like I said, the Reds maintain their course and they stay within the division. They could be buyers at the deadline and get guys like Amir Garrett to help accommodate their bullpen and get some starters maybe here or there, because they have some good guys in their lineup that could be, at the end of the day, guys that could get them potentially into the postseason this season. So it'll be a next interesting couple of months, but Ellie, as of so far, looks pretty good. Hopefully he can continue that, and I'm not just saying that because he's on my fantasy team, but besides the point, let's see if he can continue this momentum and get the Reds back to winning baseball in the next couple of months, and hopefully in the next couple of years. So we spoke about this earlier, uh, a little tease of going into soccer. Yeah. Would you like to break the big news uh, that happened in the world of MLS this week? Now, we're going to try our best because we're not the biggest soccer experts, but we're going to do our best with this. So Lionel I'm Messi. I'm a casual fan. You're a casual fan. Lionel Messi, one of the best soccer players, if not the best soccer player in the world, led Argentina to that World Cup win, now is on the move. He was at PSG, was suspended, He's going to be leaving PSG. Had a chance to go to a Saudi club, Johnson, for a reported $400 million a year deal, but decides to decline that deal as he's going to join the MLS and going to join Inter Miami. Huge you know, news in regards to just soccer as a whole and for the MLS because now they have a superstar player to build their whole league around at this time. So... It's very interesting to see how the world of soccer is going to be in regards of America. But the funniest thing I saw about it was, I think Inter Milan, uh, I almost said Inter Milan for some reason. That's Thanks, Brian. Inter Miami, um, I think they re- got 4 million new followers on their Instagram account. I think they went from 1 million followers to now 5 million followers. And that's just the impact of Messi alone. Yeah, no. So this is what I understand. Um, from this announcement from what i understand is he could have been a billion dollar richer a billion dollars richer at the yep. end of this whole saudi he would have joined he would have joined uh ronaldo and uh benzema 
because they all because they're already on the move to South uh, to Saudi. So to this, this is a this could be the start of a cultural revolution with the United States in soccer. Right. And Messi is a uh, he's not reactionary. He is uh, he is proactive. He is not going to react to something. He's going to he sees where it's trending. He wants to be at the forefront of it. The soccer culture in the United States is pretty poor. Uh, MLS, better, even yeah. though we have you know regional teams, the top team in MLS would probably be uh, a bottom bottom tier team and probably England's second tier, second or third tier club, uh, second or ter- third tier uh, league. So um, maybe the MLS All Star team could compete at the very bottom of England's second tier. Uh, Obviously, if there's Premier League and there's the league below that, but maybe they could compete in that. Maybe they'd be bottom of the tier in that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that soccer culture is very poor here. But I think Messi, what he sees with the younger generation, the U.S. golden generation playing overseas, and I bet a lot of them wish they could play in America in front of their family and friends on a weekly basis and get the money we are getting in Europe. And maybe it eventually gets like that. I highly doubt it because there's such established organizations over in Europe, whether you're in Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, England, Portugal, wherever in your in Western Europe. But Messi sees that the U.S. soccer culture is changing. Uh, a lot more engaging fans. We had really great turnout at the World Cup, a, a solid performance at the World Cup for a bunch yeah. of 22 year olds, uh, the youngest team in the quarterfinals. And Messi wants to be a part of that. He wants to be known as the guy that kind of kickstarted this revolution, uh, this cultural revolution of the U.S. in soccer. Maybe he could even become the fourth most popular sport here. Maybe he could even pass baseball and basketball. I don't think anything's ever going to pass American football in terms of cultural relevance. It's, it's too, yeah. But is it really dumb to say in 10 years that it could pass basketball? I think that's I, what Messi's goal is. I think yeah, he wants I, to make I, I soccer think it's realistic. that big in America. The biggest, one of the biggest, the funnier, I don't even know what I want to say funnier, but one of the most impressive things I saw about yesterday, we talked about game three of the NBA Finals was yesterday in Miami. Did you know, Johnson, it was cheaper to go into game three of the NBA Finals yesterday than Messi's potential debut for Inter-Miami? Yeah, and you know what? Dollars. That's how big Messi is. In it's not to like Messi world. is washed at all. He's no, at the top of good. his game still. Right. He just won a World Cup for Argentina. Yeah, this guy could still play. He can. He's at the top of his game, and he's going. He's coming to America, which is crazy. Yeah, that I, I like the uh, the uh, Eddie Murphy uh, reference. I don't know if you were trying to go for that, but absolutely I, great movie. Shout out! Uh, they go to Madison Square Garden to see the Johnnies play. They uh, do. They do. I knew I knew we were going to try to bring that up too in that, um, but yeah, this is a huge, huge breaking news in regards to just getting soccer as a whole big in America because that's what the MLS has been trying to do these last couple of years and decades. Now you get a big player like that to join your league, it could really help spark. Because listen, I saw it firsthand at MetLife Stadium during a Jets game. They had the World Cup on, and everyone's eyes were glued to the screen watching that World Cup. They were. They wanted to know what was going to happen at the end of the day, and it was one of the craziest atmospheres just for watching the game on a screen. And that's and that's before an NFL game kicks off. So that just shows you there is a big opportunity for soccer to be huge in America. It will be up to the MLS to capitalize on this big movement with Messi now joining Inter Miami. 
Oh, 100%. And uh, like you said, so one of the problems uh, with the United States, at least in their culture with soccer, is pretty much before the internet, how are you going to watch high-quality soccer games outside of a World Cup? You could not stream the Premier League. You could not go online and watch anything else, the German right. leagues, the Italian leagues, the uh, Spanish leagues, uh, even any of the leagues in South America. It was pretty much MLS, if that, and the World Cup. But since the internet has connected everything, and you could be sitting uh, at home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and watch a Premier League game, that's yeah, a huge... Yeah, everything, like ESPN, they have it yeah. on pretty much any so, streaming device. And now there's a whole new generation of young men and women who are interested in soccer. Yep. And you see... As sad as it is, football's kind of dying at, at the uh, at the high school and grade school levels because of safety concerns. So those parents now that said, "Hey, soccer's pretty big. It's a non-contact sport. It's it's popular worldwide." Put them in soccer. So yeah. football's loss is going to be globally football's game. American football's loss is going to be, uh, I, I guess, in the in the yeah, uh, you gotta be you gotta be culture you gotta be cultural in the cultural uh, yeah. in the right uh, sense of it football as in the international it is football. game. Yeah, they it don't is call football. it football here, but it is, it is called football. But um, that's the crazy thing about it. Yeah, I think it's gonna be very fun to see what Messi can do in regard to try and make this sport even better than it can potentially right now is. I think there's a great chance overall for the MLS to be a league to be talked about in the next couple of years with Messi being there. Um, now we have to go into our final big breaking news of the week, and that's the huge merger between the PGA and the LIV golf leagues now merging together to create that one big league for golf. Again, we're not the biggest you know experts when it comes to golf as it is, but it is a big breaking story considering that it looked like at one point these two would be colliding in regards to talent and staying for these two leagues. Now they merge one together in an effort to try to make golf as it is. Kind of what the MLS is doing right now with Messi, in a sense, where they're trying to make golf a big-time sport in the world of professional sports. Yeah, so the only real, real comments I have on this is um, guys like Tiger Woods, who stuck with PGA, they got played. Yeah, they missed out. They missed out. Because all of them was like, oh, yeah, they could play in the Masters. They could still be on tour, yada, yada. Who cares? If, to me, this is a cop-out move by the PGA. They don't want to compete with Liv or LIV Golf or the Saudi yeah. Arabian government. So all this grandstanding is like, oh, you know, but, you know, with the Saudi government and their human rights violations uh, that the PGA was trying to push for the last couple of years now. But is that just water under the bridge now because money, uh, money talks? No, uh, it, it, it is now at this point because now pretty much all their grandstanding the last couple of years is a moot point. I think there's been a lot of criticisms regarding the merger because, you know, just based off of what the LIV League is, and, you know, I'm not going to mention some of the stuff that's been talked about. Um, that's You can look on Twitter if you really want to go in more into it because there has been a lot of criticisms in regards to certain stuff with the league and its members. Um, I think we'll have to see what it does for the game of golf or the sport of golf as it is. If it helps improve the game, if it brings more viewers and stuff like that, I don't know. Um, but 
if they're able to capitalize on the merger, maybe it could at the end of the day because people like to watch golf most of the time. I Listen, me personally, I'm not the biggest golf watcher, but if I get a chance here or there, I'll watch it. Because oh, it's entertaining. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's exactly. great entertainment. It's, it can be entertaining at times. So there's a lot to be said about the merger. Um, probably, you know, for us, it's not, we're probably not the best ones to describe overall how the merger is going. But I think if it's able to be capitalized to its fullest extent, it could help golf at the end of the day be Oh, big. it's going to cool off a game globally with all this influx of money now. Right. And with the Saudi Arabian government backing it, uh, funds will never be an issue with this, uh, this organization. So, to me, it's going to glove a game of golf globally, which is their main goal. I uh, like what the MLS is trying to do with Messi and, and the, in America, but yeah. Yeah, but except the PGA Not, really just, um, yeah. they really dropped the ball in this. They, they, they're saying it's a merger. No, this is really just a live taking over. That That's the way I look at it. That's fair. I mean, I'm I'm not going to agree or disagree. I'm not the best person to make a comment about the whole thing as it is. So if you, the viewer, the listeners at home, have better comments about it and want to discuss it with us, feel free because we would like to learn this sport and just this merger as a whole more altogether. So that if it's a good thing for golf or if it's a bad thing for golf, I'm curious to see how the listeners at home would say in regards to this merger. But, Johnson, with that, it's now time to get into the final segment of our show this week, and that's our favorite part of our show, the Mushing Hour. Now, we talked about it. Tonight is Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals. I know, Johnson, you are looking much forward to that. I know how big of a hockey fan you are. Absolutely. Um, But the Stanley Cup Finals are going on between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas currently is up two games to nothing in this series. The series now shifting over to Florida for game number three. Obviously, people from Florida looking for a little bit of a bounce back after Miami lost game three of the NBA Finals last night. Do the Panthers get on the board in this series and make it two to one tonight? Or, Johnson, does Vegas go up three nothing? Uh, give me the home team. Give me Florida. Uh, even uh-huh. though they, it's so hard to get a sweep in sports. They're going to win either this game or the next game. I know they're not going down for a fight. They've had this miracle run so far. Really, all of South Florida this year has had a miracle yeah, run yeah. between the NCAA, uh, the Miami NBA, Heat. Miami Heat right yeah. now, and Tampa, soon look at Tampa soon, Bay right now with baseball. They're, they're one of the best teams of baseball. Uh yeah, not but, a miracle, not a miracle run, but I'm saying they're having Tampa, right now. Florida is having a good year right now with yeah, they're having a good year. It's not a miracle run yet. I would say if Miami makes the postseason, as in the Marlins, that's a miracle run. That's fair. That's fair. But they're on there right now. They're six good. Games they're, of five hundred. You know. Yeah. No Sandy, no Jazz, playing good ball, but uh, getting off topic right now. Yeah. But give me, give me South Florida. I think they have a little bit more magic left in their bottle. Um, the Genie eventually is going to have to go back in, but not right now. I'm going to take Vegas just so that we don't pick the same teams. I think right now, you look at the series, I'm kind of getting, you know, same vibes when it comes to the NBA Finals in the sense of you could see that Vegas is the superior team as a whole. And Sergey Bobrovsky for Florida has had a monster postseason, except for the Stanley Cup Finals. He has been pretty bad in the finals. Had to get pulled in game number two after allowing four goals early on in that game. And they lost game two, seven to two, I believe was the final score of that one. Um, Vegas just looks like a complete team right now. I don't think they sweep either. I think Florida will take a game because Vegas did the same thing in the Western Conference Finals. They were up three, nothing. 
they lost two in a row and had to win the series in six games just to move on to Stanley Cup Finals. I think Florida will take one game for them. I just don't see it tonight. The only way they do take it tonight is if Aiden Hill has a bad game. And right now he hasn't. He's been playing some good hockey for Vegas. So I think that will continue. I think Vegas gets to win. They go up 3 nothing. They get one step closer to winning that illustrious Stanley Cup. All right. So we had the first mush over there. Uh, thank God we picked different teams so we can't fully mush them. But the that's second a, team, and what I'm looking forward to, yep. is Game 4 of the NBA Finals happening uh, tomorrow night, Friday, 8.30 p.m. on ABC. Nuggets at Miami. Denver up 2-1 in the series. Should be up 3-0 right now. We won't get into that. I know. I know. But, I know. But uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray having a historic postseason. The first duo, I believe, to have 30-point triple-doubles yep. in the NBA Finals. Yep. So... Uh, and Jokic is the first big man to have a uh, a 30-20-10 and 10 game since, yeah. I think, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think you're right about that, yeah. So it's been almost, I think, almost exactly 50 years, if not and over. I think he's the first one to do it in the NBA Finals. He is. But, yeah. He is. So Jokic is having an absolute historic postseason uh, for only being the second-best center in the league, according to uh, to uh, league the beat league. writers. Yeah, those yeah. Um, because Joel, a grown man, threw a temper tantrum to get an MVP, and an entire uh, fan base went along with it. But that's neither here nor there, because Nikola Jokic is playing for the NBA Finals and the uh, and the Larry O'Brien Trophy in the uh, in the finals. So, give me your pick, Nick. It's currently Nuggets minus three and a half at Miami. Are we going back to our all NFL days where we're going off the spread? I'm gonna just pick them straight up, but I'm just giving you the I'm spread. Going, so I'm, I'm, picking it, I'm picking it straight up. Um. I said Denver was going to win in five when we first made the picks. I'm not going to, you know, defer away from that pick. I'm going to take Denver to win this game. And I think they wrap it up at home in game number five. You could just see it, Johnson, from when you're watching these games. Miami is having a lot of problems inside the paint to guard this Denver Nuggets team. They had just really have no answer as a whole. And Denver, you know, at points in game number three, it looked like they were trying to get Miami to get back into that game. They could not shoot from the three-point line at, at all. But Denver shot 50% from the field, and that's due to the amount of points in the paint that they had. They had 60 in that game three win. Miami, you just kind of see it happening. They're not shooting as well as they did in most of these you know, first three series that they've had on the year. Jimmy Butler has been very on and off in this series. Hasn't looked like the same Jimmy Butler that we saw against Milwaukee. I think because of that, I think you're just going to see Denver – Take advantage of that. They've got Miami on the ropes. They've gotten home court back now after that winning game three. I think they take care of business in game four, send it back to Denver, and end the series in five. All right. So that was a whole bu- lot of nothing. Uh, wow. Not like it's a whole lot of nothing, but I don't know. Damn. But okay, let me finish. It's a whole lot of nothing because Miami's winning. Even though oh. I absolutely hate this, I, I hate that I'm saying Let's this. Say six. I said in six, so this is my logic. Uh, good old Adam Silva is going to send out the extender, Scott Foster. Oh, Scott. <laughs> oh no. But he's this time he's going to be in favor of Miami Heat. Uh, Heat take this game, tie it up, create some drama, some headlines over the weekend because, the you know, the NBA is a headline-driven league. And did like, Scott like you said, a uh, rough game seven? He did. Okay. He so did the rough game seven. It was him, it was him Tony Brothers, and oh, John Goble, which is the holy trinity of bad referees. <laughs> God. So um, Scott's going to come out. I don't think I've seen him in a couple games. I don't think he's ref. Maybe he's ref a finals game so far, but he's definitely overdue because we got Tony brothers in the last game. Yeah. Uh, so to me, 
Scott Foster comes out, extends the series, goes back to Denver. They win there, and then they win on the road against Miami, and they go win in, in six. But that's my take. Uh, I think that uh, Jokic and Murray do not have the same performance. They cool off just a tiny little bit, and it's going to prevent them from winning this game. I think Miami ties it up because I had them in six, Nick, so I got, I, I, this, is the, the this is their pathway to six, and at least in my opinion. I, I, I really want to take Denver in six, too, because I really like the road team winning the championship on the road. I see it a lot happen, the last couple of years especially. I just did it for the fact of, you know, I didn't want to have the exact same pick as you. So no, I respect I it. I just stuck to five. We both have Denver winning it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami does win this game, though, at the end of the day. I think if Butler can get back to form, they need more consistent scoring after him. Adebayo has been good at times in this series so far for Miami. But after those two, it just really, you haven't really seen the Miami team we've seen in the last couple of series. Caleb Barron hasn't been himself. Um, you're still without Tyler Hero. He's going to be out again for game number four. Um, is that Gabe Vince, Yeah, he is out for game number four. He's not going to be playing. Okay. Um, Gabe Vincent, the same thing. He's had, he's had, he's had a good game here and there, but not being consistent enough for Miami to help them win. Um, they just need those role players off the bench, which has been their key to their success in this postseason. If they can stay at a consistent level for them in this series and shoot efficiently, they'll have a chance to win this game and maybe pull off the stunner. I just haven't seen it enough so far in these first three games. And like I said, Denver, the amount of points of paint, you know, points they've had in the paint so far in this series as alone has been very detrimental to Miami's success in this series. I just haven't seen an answer from Miami overall, other than Bam Adebayo, when it comes down to defensively, of who's going to stop them and stop guys like Jokic. Well, clearly to a lot of people, uh, the answer is Cody Zeller. Uh, (laughs) I've seen Highgate thrown out there. Um, One quick uh, shout-out, even though he went to Kansas, Christian Brown. I have to respect the enunciation, as Jeff Van Gundy said. I I thought it was Brown, too. You have to respect the pronunciation. He played big in Game 3. Big on his... The, the third best player in that game, better than Jimmy 100%. Butler and Bam Adebayo. That game. I, don't dis- I don't disagree with it. So shout out to him. Rookie getting some big minutes there. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, I think you summed it up pretty well. You summed it up well there. Uh, really need big games out of Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo has been outplaying him, which is shocking to see how he how doing he played in that in the, Celtics in series. Yeah, he was really bad. He's Celtics. made a really big, uh, really big comeback, if you want to say that. Uh, really carrying the Miami Heat, at least a lot of the offensive load, because there's nothing you can do against Jokic. He's going to get 30 points, 25 points a game, no matter what. So to him, averaging, I think, 22 and 12 right now, great, you know, absolutely fantastic performance by him. But Jimmy Butler needs to step it up, like you said. I think if they're, if Tyler Hero is able to come back for game five and they pull off the winning game four, that's huge. Because if they can get another big-time score for them, it could give them the chance to pull off that upset as well. Um, like I said, I think they just need to be consistent. Gabe Vincent had a solid, you know, game number two, and then game number three he goes two for ten from the field. They just need to be consistent overall when it comes down to the shooting. That's what's been killing them, also, when it, in regards to their offense. So I'll have to we'll have to see what they do in game number four tomorrow night. But I think just the way Denver is playing right now, Murray and Jokic have been unbelievable. And this is despite the fact that Michael Porter Jr. really has not been a factor at all in the series. Those two guys just alone are carrying Denver right now to this two-one lead. And it's we, we you know we both picked 
one, at least one of them to win the finals MVP. And they're definitely making the case to get that trophy. Yeah. And only time will tell who's going to lift that trophy in the next week or so. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens tomorrow night with game number four. And also what will happen tonight in regards to the Stanley cup finals game number three between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas golden Knights. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. A huge week in the world of sports in regards of all these breaking news. We'll have to see overall what happens with some of these breaking news with regards to guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, even Lionel Messi going to the MLS, the merger in golf, all the baseball news as well, and also what is going down at the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals as it is with those series continuing the next couple weeks. This has been Nicholas Pavona and Andrew Johnson for the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.